Hello friends and welcome back to the perfect puzzle. Uh, as you probably know, we're working our way through the 23rd Psalm. We're learning a lot more about what it means to be a shepherd and how Jesus Christ takes care of us and especially why God seems to always refer to people, to his people, as sheep. And we're in the middle of verse 4. Uh, and we covered the first half of verse 4 in our last session. So this session, we're going to pick up the second half of that. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Uh, it's going to be an interesting and exciting study. I just ask you to bear with me through it and give me a listen. Uh, if you have questions, you can always send an email to the email that's on the uh, main page of this podcast. Uh, we'll begin with a word of prayer. Father, we thank you so much that we can learn your word, Father, that your word is available to us. There's so many places in this world where your word is not available. But we ask you, Lord, to help us understand and help us learn what you have to tell us in, in uh, David's psalm. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, Psalm 23, verse 4. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You know, when the shepherd is with his flock up in the high country, uh, it, he doesn't carry a whole lot of equipment. Now, it's especially true in earlier times when the shepherd didn't have the benefit of mechanized equipment to transport camp supplies over the rough country. But even today, the so-called shepherd shacks, or the, as they, uh, some shepherds in the uh, American West refer to, referred to them as cabooses in which the heart, which the uh, shepherd spends his, his summers with his sheep they're only equipped with the barest essentials. Now in the Middle East the shepherd carries only a rod and a staff. They're the common and universal equipment of the primitive shepherd. Now every shepherd boy from the time he starts to tend his father's fleet, uh, flock will take special pride in selecting a rod and a staff that's exactly suited to his own size and his own strength. He'll go out into the woods or the bush or however you want to term it, and he selects a young sapling and he'll dig it up from the ground. He carves it and whittles it down with a, you know, with a lot of patience. Uh, the enlarged base of the sapling where its trunk joins the roots, he'll shape into a smooth rounded head of hard wood. Then the sapling itself is going to be shaped to exactly fit the hand of the owner. After he completes it, the shepherd boy spends hours practicing with his club, learning how to throw it with amazing speed and accuracy. It becomes his main weapon of, of it becomes his main weapon of defense uh, for both himself and for his sheep. Now, children in the Middle East have com competition to see who can throw his rod with the greatest accuracy across the greatest distance. And the effectiveness of these crude clubs in the hands of skilled shepherd can be thrilling to watch. The rod becomes an extension of the owner's right arm. It stands as a symbol of his strength, his power, his authority in any serious situation. This rod is what he relies on to safeguard both himself and his flock from danger. It's an instrument he uses to discipline and correct any wayward sheep that insist on wandering away. 
Now the sheep asserts that the owner's rod is weapon of authority, power, and and defense here in Psalm 23 is a comfort, continuous comfort for him. For with it his manager, his shepherd, is able to carry out effective control of, of his flock in every situation. You remember when God called Moses, Moses from the desert where he was shepherding Jethro's flock, his father-in-law, he sent him to deliver Israel out of Egypt from under Pharaoh's bondage. You know, it was his rod that was to demonstrate the power that was vested in him. And it was always through Moses' rod that miracles were made manifest, not only to convince Pharaoh of Moses' divine commission, but also to reassure the people of Israel. The rod speaks, therefore, of the, of the spoken word, the expressed intent, the extended activity of God's mind and will in dealing with people. It implies the authority of divinity. It carries with it the convicting power and irrefutable impact of these words, Thus saith the Lord. Now just as for the sheep of David's day, there was comfort and consolation in seeing the rod in the shepherd's skillful hands. So in, in our day, there's great assurance in our own hearts as we contemplate the power veracity and the potent authority that's vested in God's word. The scriptures are his rod. They are the extension of his mind and will and his intentions to to us, his people. Now, living as we do in a, in a time when numerous confused voices and strange philosophies are being presented to people everywhere, it's reassuring to a child of God to turn to the word of God and know it is his shepherd's hand of authority. It's such, such, a, such, such a comfort to have this authoritative, clear-cut, powerful instrument under which to con conduct ourselves. But if we are kept from confusion and chaos by God's word. Now this in itself brings into our lives a great sense of quiet serenity, which is precisely what the psalmist meant when he said, your rod comforts me. Now there's a second dimension in which the rod is used by the shepherd for the welfare of his sheep, and namely, that is discipline. If anything, the rod is used for this purpose perhaps more than any other. If the shepherd sees a sheep wandering away on its own or approaching poisonous weeds, or if he's getting too close to any kind of danger, the rod goes whistling through the air to send the wayward animal scurrying back, back to the flock. As has been said in the scriptures so often, uh, the Bible will keep you from sin. It is the word of God. It comes swiftly to our hearts. It comes with surprising suddenness to correct and reprove us when we go astray. It is the spirit of the living God using the living word that convicts our conscience of right conduct. In this way, we are kept under control by Christ who wants us to walk in the ways of righteousness. Now, another interesting use of the rod in the shepherd's hand was to examine and count the sheep. In the terminology of the Old Testament, this is referred to as passing under the rod. Now, you can refer to Ezekiel chapter 20, somewhere around verse 37 for that. 
Now, what this meant was not only coming under the owner's control and authority, but also to be subject to his most careful, intimate, and first-hand examination. A sheep that passed under the rod was one that had been counted and looked over with great care to make sure that everything was well with it. Now, because of their long wool, it's not always easy to detect disease or wounds or defects in sheep. For example, at a sheep show, an inferior animal will sometimes be clipped and shaped and shown so as to appear to be a perfect specimen, but a skilled judge will takes his rod, parts the sheep's wool to determine the condition of the skin, the cleanliness of the fleece, and the, and the conformation of the body. In plain language, one just does not pull the wool over his eyes. Now, in caring for his sheep, the good shepherd, the careful manager, will from time to time make a careful examination of each individual sheep. Now, this picture is a very poignant one. As each animal comes out of the corral and through the gate, it is stopped by the shepherd's outstretched rod. He opens the fleece with the rod, runs his hands over the body, feels for any sign of trouble, examines the sheep with care to make sure everything is well. And it's a most searching process in entailing every intimate detail. It's also a comfort to the sheep, for only in this way can its hidden problems be laid bare before the shepherd. Now that's what is meant over in Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24, when the psalmist wrote, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me, and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. You know, if, if we will allow it, we will submit to it. God, by his word, will search us. There'll be no pulling the wool over his eyes. He will get below the surface, behind the front of our old self-life, and expose things that need to, be, need to be made right. And it's a process from which we should not shrink. It is not something to avoid. It's done in concern and compassion for our welfare. The great shepherd of our souls has our own best interests at heart when he so searches us. Now what a comfort this should be to the child of God who can trust in God's care. Now, wool in scripture speaks of the self-life, the self-will, the self-assertion, and self-pride. God has to get below this and do a deep work in our wills to right the wrongs which are often bothering us beneath the surface. So very often we put on a fine front and we're brave we have a bold exterior when really deep down below there needs to be some remedies applied to us. But finally the shepherd's rod is an instrument of protection for himself and for his sheep when they're in danger. So it's used both as a, as a defense and a deterrent against anything that would attack. Now the shepherd uses his rod to drive off predators like coyotes, wolves, cougars, stray dogs. It's often used to beat the brush, discouraging snakes and other creatures from disturbing the flock. In extreme cases, such as David recounted to King Saul, the, uh, he no doubt used his rod to attack the lion and the bear that came to raid his flocks. It was the rod 
of God's word that Christ, our good shepherd, used in his own encounter with Satan during his desert temptation. It is the same word of God which we can count on again and again to counter the assaults and attacks of Satan. And it doesn't matter whether the, the disguise he assumes is that of a subtle serpent or a roaring lion that desires to destroy us. There's no substitute for the scriptures in coping with the complexities of our social order. We live in an ever more involved and difficult time. We are part of a world of men and women whose code of, code of conduct is contrary to all that Christ advocated. And to live with such people is to be always exposed to enormous temptations of all kind. Some people are very subtle very smooth, very very sophisticated. Others are capable of outright violent, hate-filled attacks against the children of God. In every situation and under every circumstance, there's comfort in the knowledge that God's word can meet and master the difficulty if we will only rely on it. Now let's talk about the shepherd's staff. Now that staff, more than any other item of its personal equipment, identifies the shepherd as a shepherd, I don't know of anyone in any other profession other than bishops in the Catholic Church that habitually carry a shepherd's staff. It is uniquely an instrument used for the care and management of sheep, and only sheep. It doesn't work for cattle, horses, or hogs. It's designed, shaped, and adapted especially to the needs of sheep, and is used only for their benefit. The staff is essentially a symbol of the concern, the compassion that a shepherd has for his sheep. No other single word can better describe its function on behalf of the flock than that it is for their comfort. Whereas the rod conveys the concept of authority, of power, and of discipline, and defense against danger, the word staff speaks of all that is long-suffering and kind. Now the shepherd's staff, you're probably well aware, is a long slender stick, often with a crook or a hook on one end. And it's selected with care by the owner. It's shaped smooth and cut to best suit his own personal use. And just as the rod of God is, is emblematic of the word of God, so the staff of God is symbolic of the spirit of God, <clears throat> of the spirit of God. In Christ's dealings with us as individuals, there's the essence of the sweetness, the comfort, and consolation, the gentle correction brought about by the work of his gracious spirit. Now, there are three areas of sheep management in which the staff plays a most significant role. The first of these lies in drawing sheep together into an intimate relationship. The shepherd will use his staff to gently lift a newborn lamb and bring it to its mother should they become separated. Now he does it with his staff because if the newborn lamb carries the odor of the shepherd, the mother will reject it. Now skilled shepherds will move swiftly with their staffs among ooze that are lambing simultaneously. With deaf but gentle strokes, the newborn lambs are lifted with the staff and placed side by side with their mothers. <clears throat> and in precisely the same way, the staff is used by the shepherd to reach out and catch individual sheep, young or old, 
and draw them close to himself for intimate examination. The staff is very useful this way for the shy and timid sheep that normally tend to keep at a distance from a shepherd. Similarly, in the Christian life, we find the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, drawing people together into a warm personal fellowship with one another. It's also the Holy Spirit who draws us to Christ because as we are told in Revelation, the Spirit and the Bride say, Come. Now the staff is also used for guiding sheep. He doesn't use it to actually hit the sheep. Rather, the tip of the long slender stick is laid gently against the animal's side and the pressure applied guides the sheep in the way the, the shepherd wants it to go. So the sheep is reassured of its proper path. Now sometimes a shepherd will actually hold his staff against the side of some sheep that is a special pet or a favorite, simply so that they are in touch. They'll walk along this way almost as though they were hand in hand. The sheep obviously enjoys the special attention from the shepherd and just revels in the close, personal, intimate contact between them. To be treated in this special way by the shepherd is to know comfort in it very deeply. It is a delightful and moving picture. Now in our walk with God, we are told explicitly by Christ himself that it would be his spirit who would be sent to guide us and to lead us into all truth. That's John chapter 16 verse 13. This same spirit takes the truth of God, the word of God, and makes it plain to our hearts and minds and spiritual understanding. It's he who gently, tenderly, but persistently says to us, This is the way. Walk in it. And as we comply and cooperate with his gentle promptings, a sense of safety, comfort, and well-being envelops us. It is he too who comes quietly but emphatically to make the life of Christ my shepherd, real and personal and intimate to me. <clears throat> Through the Holy Spirit, I am in touch with Christ. There steals over me the keen awareness that I am His and He is mine. The Spirit continually brings home to me the acute consciousness that I am God's child and He is my Father. And in all of this, there is an enormous comfort and a sublime sense of oneness, of belonging, of being in His care and therefore the object of his special affection. Now the Christian life is not just one of subscribing to certain doctrines or believing certain facts. Essential as all of that is, confidence in the, and as essential as all of this confidence in the scriptures may be, there is as well the actual reality of experiencing and knowing firsthand the feel of his touch the sense of his spirit upon my spirit. There is for the true child of God that intimate, subtle, yet magnificent experience of sensing the comforter at his side. And it's not imagination. It is the genuine, bona fide reality of everyday life. There's a calm, quiet comfort in the knowledge that he is there to direct even in the most minute details of daily living. He can be relied on to assist us in every decision, and in this there lies tremendous comfort for the Christian. Over and over I've turned to him, 
and often in audible, open language, asked for his opinion on a problem. I've asked him, what would you do in this case, Lord? Or I've said, Lord, I know you are here now. You know all the com complexities. Can you tell me precisely what's the best procedure? Because I don't know what to do. And the thing is, you know, he actually does just that. He actually conveys the mind of Christ in the matter to my mind. Then the right decisions are made with confidence. And you know what? He can do the same thing for you. And it's when I don't do that that I find myself in difficulty. It's then I find myself in a jam of some, some sort. And here again, the Spirit comes to my rescue just as a shepherd rescues his sheep out of the situations into which their own stupidity leads them. And I don't use the word stupidity carelessly because it is stupid. But being stubborn creatures, sheep often get into the most ridiculous and preposterous situations. Sheep who are greedy for one more mouthful of green grass, they'll climb down steep, steep cliffs where they slip and can fall. Only a long shepherd's staff can lift them up and back on the solid ground again. Another common occurrence is to find sheep stuck fast in brambles where they have pushed in to find a few stray mouthfuls of green grass. So the, horn, the thorns are so hooked in their wool that they can't possibly pull free. The more they tuck, the more they get stuck. Only the use of a staff can get them out of their entanglement. And it's the same, same with us. Many of our jams, most of mine, are of my own making. In stubborn, self-willed, self-assertion, we keep pushing ourselves into a situation that we can't possibly extricate ourselves from. Then in tenderness, compassion, and care, our shepherd comes to us. He draws near, and in tenderness lifts us by his spirit out of the difficulty, out of the dilemma. You know, what patience God has for us and with us. What long-suffering long suffering and compassion and what forgiveness. You know, we could truthfully say, your staff comforts me. Your spirit, O Christ, is my consolation. And that takes care of verse 4. Thank you for listening. This has been the perfect puzzle. I'll talk to you guys next time. Thank you very much.